The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. In our hands is placed a power greater than their hoarded gold, greater than the might of armies magnified a thousandfold. We can bring to birth a new world from the ashes of the old. These poetic, powerful words from the labor anthem, Solidarity Forever, were written by Ralph Chaplin in 1915, inspired by the resolve of hungry, homeless miners enduring a deadly strike in West Virginia. Solidarity Forever is now sung routinely at the end of union conventions. But I have to agree with these words that Ralph Chaplin wrote very late in his life. I didn't write Solidarity Forever for ambitious politicians or for job-hungry labor fakers seeking a ride on the gravy train. He used as a singing commercial for a unionism that uses million-dollar slush funds to persuade their congressional office boys to do chores for them." Unquote. Chaplin wasn't interested in that type of complicit power, but in the kind that would truly birth a new world from the ashes of the old. So am I. And I will take off my mask, which I am allowed to do when I preach. Thank you. While I have always loved the metaphor in our hands, long a symbol both of work and of power, and have used it a lot in the past, today I'd rather say more inclusively, in ourselves is placed a power. Yet I am still deeply moved by all the verses of solidarity forever, though the language may seem old-fashioned in style and even in content. After all, work has changed a lot since 1915. I believe their message still fully applies. For many years, I was immersed in day-to-day -day union activism. Like Chaplin, I had my own internal complaints. Many unions behave more like insurance companies than militant organizations for social justice. Many, though there are a lot of honorable exceptions, discourage member participation and limit their political action to timid lobbying and getting out the vote for Democratic Party politicians who almost always betray their interests. Some still discriminate against women and people of color. Some used to be controlled by organized crime. They have often failed to be allies to others or even to come to each other's aid as fully as the word solidarity demands. However, the movement has improved throughout my life, tackling such as tackling internal racism and other bigotries, fought for by the large numbers of members directly impacted, there are new trends such as bargaining for the common good, 
less support for the worst of U.S. foreign policy. Most criminal corruption is gone. Public support for labor has increased dramatically in the recent years, but often labor still fails to use the power it has. And we all suffer as a result. Nonetheless, the history of the labor movement contained almost the only positive images I could find for people who look like me, including among my own ancestors. Discovering these figures brought me out of the deep depression I felt as a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s, who believed that nothing I could do would ever be sufficient to make up for my unchosen membership and at least two of the most oppressive groups I felt in human history, U.S. Americans and white people. Getting union jobs saved my life. As a young adult battling mental health issues, still there, though I managed to hide them well, I found it hard to hold down a job, never lasting long enough to gain competence and acceptance. Union jobs protected me, even if grudgingly, long enough to succeed. Union work brought me out of a period of poverty and allowed me to raise a family under so-called middle-class conditions. That, in turn, gave me the resources to retire early to pursue ministry. Whatever the labor movement is or isn't, I'm profoundly grateful to its role in my own life and my loyalty to the best of its historical and contemporary vision, exemplified in the words of Solidarity Forever, is about as close to absolute as humanly possible. So what exactly is labor's power? And why should we care? Here are the two most important reasons. First, there is no other institution that represents working people solely as workers. Despite what may get taught in college these days, workers, that is, those who are employed to create or deliver the products and services all of us depend on, are the vast majority of society. By that definition, Almost all of us are active workers, would-be workers, or retired workers, whether we think of ourselves in that way or not. Workers are of all races, genders, ages, nationalities, faiths, and political views. As such, they are often divided, but objectively they share a common interest in protecting their jobs, raising their pay and benefits, improving their working conditions, and creating a society that treats them with dignity. This collective self-interest 
when channeled into effective labor action, tends to, tends to benefit us all. It is why many of us still have weekends, vacations, overtime pay, and laws that protect our health and safety. Yes, such benefits have been greatly reduced in recent years, but the fact that they exist at all is thanks to unions. Companies often provide benefits just to keep unions out. They would have no reason to otherwise. And since unions protect their own members on the job, we all benefit by the continuity of skill and experience and by the activism of those workers who enjoy a greater freedom to speak out. Second, work is the foundation of society. As we have experienced dramatically during COVID and climate change disasters, many workers are indeed absolutely essential. Disrupt the regular supply chain of goods and services, and everything falls apart. This reality is labor's secret weapon, its source of real power. Dissatisfied individuals may be able to quit their jobs, and that might lead to a slightly better job, but changes nothing else. However, when huge numbers of people withhold their labor simultaneously, the disruption to order is so great that employers and governments may be compelled to give in to their demands. The threat of striking, even though rarely used, is what forces employers to bargain. And while I admit this is a fantasy in the present moment, I bet a general strike would end the filibuster and get the PRO Act, the Voting Rights Act, the infrastructure bills, just immigration reform, Medicare for all, and a Green New Deal passed. To their credit, most unions today support such changes officially, but they have yet to exercise their collective power to make them happen. Our offering today went to the Poor People's Campaign, which works closely with labor unions. We, and labor, should emulate its approach. Too often, we are taught that real power is found only in hoarded gold, and history tends to support that conclusion. Thus, we limit our demands to what we think the hoarders of gold or their puppets in office might tolerate or concede. But as Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a fight, never has and never will. The campaign attempts to unite all of us who do not have much hoarded gold to support each other in achieving our common interests. For example, demanding an end to the filibuster. Unlike most labor leaders, 
It is not accepting liberal excuses. The campaign challenges the contradictory but common belief that many of us already have too much power. Pointing out that half the US population is either already living in poverty or at immediate risk for it. And those who are not are hardly safe from current realities. If nothing else, COVID and climate disaster should make it painfully obvious that though some of us do have more power to cause harm than others, very few of us have enough power right now to make any difference in humanity's downward slide to barbarism and oblivion. The clock is ticking. We need to embrace the idea of building collective power organized from the bottom up. This is our greatest spiritual as well as practical imperative. I have two favorite quotations. The first is from the great Jewish philosopher, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Some are guilty, all are responsible. Sure, all of us can improve, but when it comes to the great evils of our day, those with the hoarded gold call the shots. We're just pawns in their game, whichever teams we play on. However, we are responsible for ending the game. Frankly, we can do very little about poverty, inequality, systemic racism, environmental devastation, or militarism only by trying to change personal habits or by discussing what could be done to solve these problems if only there were people in power willing to take the necessary actions. Only a massive, well-organized group of ordinary people with at least tacit majority support can create a truly different reality. Let's stop wasting our time thinking the hoarders of gold can be won to the side of justice and morality. My second favorite quote is from Friedrich Engels. Freedom is the recognition of necessity. None of us are free until all of us are. The labor slogan, an injury to one is an injury to all, is literally accurate if you leave out the hoarders of gold, and truly even for them in the long run. If you doubt this, think of the evils the Poor People's Campaign is fighting. You may benefit in small ways from a few of them, but your net loss is always far greater. A society in which you are deprived of basic necessities like affordable health care, in which your children or grandchildren will suffer far more than yourself, and in which their children might never exist. Until we are willing to do whatever it takes to end the systems and enforce these injustices, our hope for change is mere sentimentality. 
only when we recognize that necessity will we be free to release our courage, compassion, and heartfelt desire to birth a new world from the smoldering ashes of this one. May it be so and not a minute too late. Happy Labor Day. Thank you. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.